Welcome to episode 54 of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez, joined by Eric Calvino. Hello, hello. Ivan Ocampo. Good day, everyone. And special guest heckler in the peanut gallery, Charles Lopez. No. <laughs> no comment from Charles. <laughs> Just heckles. All right, so on this episode, we will be uh, smoking a little something special in, uh, in memory of... Uh, it's fair to call him a cigar icon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who who recently passed? Also talking about the um, we're recording this on Tuesday, September eighteenth. So yesterday was the Emmys. We'll recap the winners and losers there and uh, comment to the extent that we're able based on what we've seen. Kind of. Yeah, very little of it probably. Uh, this will look a lot like our hockey recaps. <laughs> yes. Um, but before we get into all that, a word from our sponsor, Villiger Cigars. Villiger Cigars, celebrating 130 years in tobacco, unveils its first ever full-bodied premium handmade cigar in the Villiger La Vencedora. The Villiger La Vencedora is the follow-up cigar to the highly acclaimed Villiger La Flor de Inclán and Villiger Sandoro Colorado. This Nicaraguan puro, wrapped in a beautiful Nicaraguan Habano puro wrapper, boasts a potent full-bodied smoking experience featuring highly seasoned, hearty flavors. The Villiger La Vencedora, which translates to the victor, emits a billowing aromatic smoke throughout the smoky experience. The Villiger La Vencedora, a palate-pleasing, full-bodied, yet elegant cigar that will satisfy the cigar connoisseur as well as the casual smoker. On this episode of the podcast, we are smoking Casa Fernandez Miami Arsenio Maduro is a lot of stuff in there. Uh, this is made in the USA, in Miami, at um, at Aganorsa's factory here, which I'm blanking now. Tell, remind me the name of the factory. Tabacalera Tropical. Tabacalera Tropical here. Tropical. They call it tropical tobacco. Tropical tobacco here in Miami. It's got a Mexican San Andres wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and filler. This cigar is a five and a quarter by 54 which at least at uh, NeptuneCigar.com sells for seven twenty per cigar. Um, Ivan, thoughts on the cigar so far? I just lit it. Um, I'm being a little cautious with it because the last time I smoked one hit me hit me hard. Hit him like a ton of bricks. And TJ from uh, from, from Casa Fernandez, he's been making fun of him. Always ever since. reminds me every time he sees me. So I'm I'm tiptoeing into this one. Well. Eric? Yeah, you know, this is uh, everything that Aganorsa makes or Casa Fernandez or whatever you want to call them. They're uh, everything that they make. I love. I really am. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, I love the that like background sweetness that it has. Uh, and then and then the Mexican. T- it's like two different kinds of sweetness in the same cigar. Right. You have the that sort of Jalapa sweetness, that cedary thing that Aganorsa right. is known for. And that's that's in the background there, kind of constant. And then on the forefront, you've got that wrapper, that Mexican wrapper with a, a very different sort of ripe fruit type of sweetness. So as you can tell, I dig this smoke. I dig it. I'm, uh, I just started it, but I'm like, you know, it's almost like walking it like, like if you bought tickets to like a Seinfeld show and you know that you're going to love it and, uh, and you're sitting in the crowd there, you're, st- you're smiling before the guy opens his mouth. That's kind of how I am with this cigar. Yeah, that ripe fruit that you were talking about, it's almost like a ripe 
like dried fruit, like yeah, kind of yeah. raisiny almost. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't uh, want to get too geeky though. Yeah, well, you know, like sun okay. sun made raisins, ah, California yes. raisins specifically. Dun, 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 dun. Is that before your time, Nick? No, no, no. Oh, you you yeah. did get some of that. All right. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, Eric, you're the, you're the one who has the most personal experience, uh, with the reason that we're smoking this cigar. We, um, we're smoking this specifically, uh, to commemorate the, you know, the, the life immediately after uh, his passing of Arsenio. Uh, so to give us a a little bit of, of your own experience with him, obviously, you know, there are lots of ways that people can read up on his life, but I'd I'd be interested to hear your own uh, interactions with him. Well, the thing with uh, with Arsenio was, uh, number one, he was an incredibly humble man. And and it's tough to combine someone that's so humble and knows so much. And I'm sorry, this is Arsenio Ramos. Yes. From, yeah, so, he's, yeah. Uh, was, uh, so he was the master blender at Agonorsa slash Casa Fernandez. And uh, the guy would, no matter how many times you sat with him to talk cigars, or in my case, he would just randomly call. Uh, no matter how many times you spoke to him about cigars, he always dropped something on you that you'd never heard of, whether that was, I don't know, quoting like Voltaire or I mean, he would just bring in these random uh, these random quotes or, or random topics about cigars that would all come together in the end to culminate in the point that he was trying to make. So he was uh, extremely well read in the world of tobacco and cigars. Uh, he didn't mind sharing it, and it never came across as arrogant. Like he never once. I've 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 sat down with with guys who call themselves master blenders and are nowhere near it. They're they're basically guys who know what flavors they want, and and then they ask the actual master blender to make a cigar for them, and they pretend to know, and they and they sort of talk down to you because you don't have as much knowledge as they do. Uh, I'd send you never ever did that to you i mean he could sit down with an absolute neophyte who's smoking his first cigar and he would make him feel good uh while speaking to him but at the same time educate him so he was uh he was a special person and uh i'm personally gonna miss him like i said those those random calls were something that i i treasure i mean he had like impeccable timing like you one time he called me we were on uh we were on a bus at uh, we were on a bus in Europe. We were at Intertabac, and I was with the Drew Estate group. Nick, you were on that bus with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy the guy calls me on that bus ride. And, you know, remember it was like a two-hour ride from, mm-hmm. like, Holland over to Germany or something right. like that. And it was a very boring flight. Everyone was kind of sleeping. And then out of the blue, my phone rings. And it's Adsenio, who just wants to talk about this cigar. This one blend that he had uh, that he had been developing, and he just wants to talk about it and just bounce ideas off of what I thought would the would the uh, cigar smoking public enjoy this type of cigar, and it was you know, so those kinds of calls are the ones that I'll miss. I'm kind of getting goosebumps uh, remembering that moment, but uh, so yeah, I'll miss him for that, and I think the cigar world will miss him uh, for his talent in blending cigars. So, uh, Senor Ramos, uh, we'll miss you, buddy. Yeah, I I never had a chance to uh, interact with him personally, but I mean it wasn't too long ago that we did that story on on Agonorsa, and you go to see you know those guys in uh, in Nicaragua, and 
nobody can stop talking about Asenio and the impact that he had there. So in terms of there being, you know, uh, you know, people who leave uh, a definite legacy, especially there, right? Because you were talking about, you know, him being willing to sort of share this knowledge. You know, Eduardo has has become, you know, a, a major player in tobacco, but he came in not being a tobacco guy. You know, exactly. he's the first one to tell you, like, I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't do this. Like, I just thought this would be a cool way to to spend life after pizza. Um, and Arsenio is a big part of, you know, the his imprint is clear there. Yep. When you, when you yep. go through there, and and it was part of that of them developing that culture, the relationship they have with all these other guys, that they're able to collaborate with and share that knowledge with, and be very you know generous with, uh, with their tobaccos and all that. So, you know, his, even not having met him, you sort of come away from that thinking like, yeah, this guy made an impact very deeply here. No doubt about it. So yeah. So yeah, I'll personally miss him like crazy, man. But um, but you know how it is. Yeah, so, uh, so again, we are smoking Casa Fernandez, Arsenio, or I guess it's Casa Fernandez, Miami, Arsenio, Maduro. Uh, and uh, again, you can find this at Neptune Cigar for about $7.20. Uh, we'll come back to this later on in the podcast to let you know how, uh, how the cigar is treating us. Before uh, we move on to other topics, we will give you an update on the special event that we... Uh, I guess we broke the first place that we mentioned it publicly was here on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. So the Cigar Snob Lechong Challenge is coming up. Uh, Eric, let's rehash, uh, Eric and Ivan, let's rehash some of the details that we already gave people and also some of the updates. So we had already given people the dates. It's November 17th, 17th, Saturday, November 17th, 7 to 10. Is that right? That is correct. 7 to 10 at the Intercontinental in Miami. That's all the information we had for people. So what's new? At that point. At oh, that okay. point, yeah. Okay. So what's new now? So we've got the five. So I don't remember if we talked about it, but it is a, it is a pig roasting competition. So that's where the name challenge comes from. And so the idea is that we are pitting five cigar manufacturers. Uh, Ivan, can you hand over the lighter? So we're pitting, uh, we're putting uh, five cigar manufacturers to compete against each other. Uh, so now we have the five. So we've got Fuente, uh, Villiger, Espinosa, AJ Fernandez, and Oliva Cigars. And each one of those companies will have representatives from each company roasting a Cuban-style whole hog on a Caja China. Uh, if you don't know what that is, check it out. Cajachina.com, I think, is their uh, website. But uh, but anyway, it's a pig roasting box. And uh, and so it's it's a very Cuban way of doing it. And so all five of these guys will roast a pig and we will all taste them. You and 300 of your best friends will, uh, will taste them and then we'll vote to see who made the best lechon. The winner uh, will, will get to share the proceeds uh, to the charity of their choice. So that's what the evening is about. But in the process, we will drink and smoke and we'll be, uh, there's 20 cigars. You get 20 cigars when you, when you check in. 20 cigars, you got a Zycar lighter, cutter, uh, cigar caddy. Um, I don't know. There's a, So we've got the Villiger VIP, Villiger slash Gentleman Jack VIP, where um, I think for 150 bucks you get to drink all night. You'll have waitresses bringing over the Lechon samples, so you don't have to get up and, and get them. Um, it's going to be a hell of a party. <laughs> it'll be a hell of a party for sure. It, uh, it's at the... 
Intercontinental, the the venue is amazing. You know, you can't you can't get a better better place to throw a party. Uh, The food's gonna be great. Besides it being a challenge, I mean, we're gonna have great sides, appetizers going around. It's gonna be really good food, really good ambiance, really good drinks. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, and and uh, actually, Chuck, who normally heckles, but he threw in something helpful here. What if you don't like pig or lechung? Uh, well, there there will be salads, and there will be other things. But uh, tofu, we have tofu. Also. We have some some tofu <laughs> pigs being roasted. Is there a special weirdo price. Yeah, uh, but no, yeah. I mean, I hope you like pig because this is a it's a pig <laughs> fest. Uh, what what do we know, if anything, about who at each of the competitor companies is going to be leading the pig roasting charge? So who, there's who's a, playing point guard for each of these teams? Yeah, they, they've each. They've each got a point guard. Uh, so here are some of the ones I know. So the Fuente pig will be roasted by Felix Mesa, who is from El Galang Cigars. But he runs the Fuente uh, factory that's being built in Nicaragua. So he's he's affiliated to Fuente in that way. Uh, so he'll be roasting that pig. Um, so the Villiger pig will be roasted by Charles Lopez. None other than Charles. None other Ooh. than Charles in the room, in the house. Watch out. Uh, and so, and the company he works for, Yayao Cigars, makes uh, cigars for Villiger out of Nicaragua. So he's affiliated that way. Uh, and so that, that's kind of how it goes, right? Espinosa, uh, his Espinosa grew up on like a pig farm. <laughs> his dad, not, I'm kidding. He didn't grow up on a pig farm, but his uh, his dad ran a pig farm. So. So I think I think Shorty himself will be roasting that one. Are they the leaders in the clubhouse? Odds wise? I don't I don't I don't know. There's a lot of good I mean, like Felix is a badass. T- oh, He's yeah. a Wajito too. Oh yeah. Uh does it take a Wajito to make a good lechon? Good call. Good question. Well, I think we can find out, right? November seventeenth, sure. sure. because right. some guy it's Chuck's gonna, not a Wajito, right? It, Charlie, Charlie is not a Wajito. But he is practicing every single week and the oliva pig is being roasted or uh point guarded right. by as you said uh by albert sosa who's their florida rep who's a kendall wajito who is a Ken- uh, kendall homestead wajito right <laughs> yeah, yeah so and he's constantly practicing he invited us to his house like next weekend like hey come over i'm i'm roasting a pig to uh to see which final seasoning i'm gonna go with so yeah is, these is guys he roasting are or is he boating I don't know if he's doing much roasting. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he did buy a new boat. New boat. So. Part, of the, part of the fun thing is that, you know, a lot of these companies, I mean, obviously, they're all in the same business. There's a certain level of competition, but like decorum limits how much public bragging you do about how much better you think you're. But here, this I mean, is. That's the point of the whole thing. Yeah. Here. These get, I mean, this is going to be something that, you know, they whoever wins is holding it over the other four teams' heads. Well, and they will have a trophy to put in their office. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. so uh, especially in a business where there's so much who's more Cuban competition. The, I don't know, the winner of the Lechon Challenge. Blast. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, oh, so uh, you have to go to so – you should get tickets, by the way, because they they've already been for sale for like a week, and they are going. Uh, so And there's only 300 spots, so I would get on it. Yeah. Uh, the website is www.lechonchallenge.com, and Lechon is spelled – L-E-C-H-O-N challenge.com Alright, before we move on to our Emmy review, a word from our sponsor El Galang Cigars El Galang Cigars just announced a new brand called Vegas del Purial. 
they announced uh, the upcoming release of that brand, which is a new addition to the company's portfolio, which you know for the El Galán line, Doña Nieves, and extensions of both of those. Vega de Purial is an homage to El Galán founder Félix Mesa's paternal grandparents, Felipe and Caridad Mesa. They grew up in the Cuban province of Las Villas, and um, it is also a uh, an homage to their farm. So the cigars made at El Galán's Eteli factory features an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, and a new hybrid tobacco called FFMC 96 for the binder. It'll be available in four Vitolas. That's a 5x50 Robusto, a 5.5x52 Belicoso, 7x38 Lancero, and a 6 and 3 quarters by 52 Super Toro. Those cigars will range in price from $8.90 to $10, and they are set to ship to retailers in October. So make sure that you ask your uh, regular shop whether they'll be getting shipments of Vegas del Purial. Well, we are uh, in the new magazine coming out now. Yep. Uh, we rated it because we got our hands on it before you guys did. And uh, you want to turn that off, buddy? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the cigar scored really high. It's uh, it's an excellent new smoke. So I would, uh, if your shop is not already carrying a galang, I would definitely call uh, and get that going because we were super impressed by it. So you can find them at elgalangcigars.com. That's E-L-G-A-L-A-N cigars.com or on social media across all of the social media things. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, El Galang Cigars. El Galang Cigars? El Galang Cigars. El Galang Cigars. What a Galang Cigar? El Galang Cigars. If you did not catch the Emmys, and God knows that our not. yeah our, our, our audience is not necessarily uh, the Emmy-watching crowd, uh, I know I'm not an award show person. Uh, actually, my, my wife got in from a, from a trip overseas yesterday, so I, I was actually spared you know the bulk of the Emmys on TV thing. But I am generally interested to know who's, who's won these things. I do watch a lot of this stuff, a lot of the shows that are nominated. So... Uh, we'll run through these categories. You guys let me know if there's one that you want to talk about or that you're surprised somebody won or lost or whatever. So, outstanding supporter, uh, supporting actor in a comedy series. At- outstanding athletic supporter? Outstanding athletic supporter went to Henry Winkler for his role in As the Barry. cup. As the cup. <laughs> As the cup. Uh, and also, uh, Bill Hader won for his role as the strap. In the uh, <laughs> in the best lead in a comedy series, we, I think we've talked about Barry on the podcast before. I think at least you recommended it. I recommended it once. So uh, ten this, minutes of it. This is my moment of vindication here. Bill Hader uh, plays a hitman who wants to leave. Like an unlikely hitman, right? And on well, uh, he plays a likely hitman. He's basically like a, a former Marine or Navy SEAL or something. Uh, who falls into hitmaning because it's like his only marketable skill uh, is killing people. But then he discovers, because he's assigned to kill a drama student, that he really likes drama. So he wants to leave hitmaning for uh, for a life acting in L.A. So it's a, it's a kind of weird, funny premise. I would highly recommend still uh, Barry. Outstanding supporting actress in a comedy. I did not ever see any of this. Uh, Alex Borstein for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Ooh, good no win. idea. That sounds like the name of a thing that I wouldn't watch. Um, I'd watch the Glow show. I did see Glow. Glow is good. Yeah? Yeah. Did you ever see any of it? 
You're just the, jumping ahead to the list. The, the, good job. No, though, no, right? this, no, 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 it's, it's in that same same category. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's all I have I to was, offer. Yeah, Not was, jumping ahead. <laughs> I, was, I was very Glow, happy. I saw that. I, I got yeah, yeah. nothing on I any saw, of this. I saw that in the eighties. Did you like? Oh, did you like? Glow? I did like it. Yeah. yeah. In the eighties, absolutely. Yeah. Now I don't know what. No, the, no. I have not seen that, but I hope it's the same. Yeah, I loved it back then. Uh, so, outstanding lead actor in a limited series or TV movie. Again, did not see this, but it sounds like something I would want to see. Uh, the assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story. Darren Chris plays the lead. I'm assuming he plays Versace. I really don't know. Outstanding lead actress, limited series, something called Seven Seconds. Totally lost. Don't know what that is. Seven seconds is enough right here. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> Outstanding lead actor in a comedy. We talked about Bill Hader. Outstanding lead actress in a comedy. Again, this Mrs. Maisel thing. Totally lost. Don't know what you're talking about. If someone if someone knows what the hell that is. Yeah. Should we be watching all, this Mrs. Maisel thing? Should we watch it? Uh, outstanding supporting actress in a limited series or movie. Everything is limited? Everything is limited. God, I did start watching Godless. It was good. I haven't uh, continued, but it did look good. So that's sort of like a dystopian Western kind of thing. Supporting actor in a limited series. Again, Godless. Jeff Daniels. Congratulations, Jeff. Congratulations, Jeff. We're all pulling for you here. Well done, Jeff. Outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Matthew, is it Reese? Rice? He's Welsh, if that means anything. Uh, but for the Americans, did you guys watch the Americans? Nope. The Americans is good. I'm telling. I, I re- you when I said I had nothing here, I really. Mm. I haven't. You didn't see the Americans either. No, I do watch Ozark, which uh, Ozark Jason Bateman good. was uh, nominated in this uh, yeah. category. Jason Bateman did win, uh, I think, for directing an episode of Ozark. Do you know what the Americans is? No, sir. The Americans is very good. So negative Ghost Rider. <laughs> so this Matthew Reese character and Carrie Russell play a married couple of Russians. And it's based on the real program from the 80s where the Russians were sending pairs of spies. Uh, I guess maybe not always in pairs, but they are a married couple who live in the U.S. uh, posing as like they're running a travel agency. And they live across the street from an FBI agent. And so they're Russian spies the whole time. And their kids don't know they're Russian spies because they had their kids here. Like it's part of their cover. So it's actually like based on these actual a real historical premise of, like, there were people in this... Yeah, the part um, that is not real, obviously, they're living across the street from an FBI right? Yeah. right? Okay. So I, I think uh, they, they call them the illegals or something, because they were basically, you know, they immigrated illegally. They were with false identities and the whole thing, uh, posing as people who had been born and raised here. They stole the identities of people who were dead. and um, Definitely worth watching, The Americans. That is on what? Is that on Netflix? What is that on? I think it's FX, but I've been watching it on Amazon. Check out... The Americans, that won the uh, lead actor category. Carrie Russell did not win in lead actress. For that, it went to Claire Foy from The Crown. I hear a lot of good things about The Crown. Never seen The Crown. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Nope. We uh, we need to get on this. Yeah. Mm-mm. If we're going to be up on all this stuff. Uh, outstanding supporting actor in a drama, Game I of Thrones. I was not for this entire category in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a little person won one. A little person won Is that the thing that we're supposed to say, little people? Uh, yeah, that's the PC term. Is it? Yeah. I don't know if I trust you on what's PC. Me neither, but he, he has yeah. he doesn't he have looks, the smirk that he, he looks normally very confident has about this. He looks what do we call him before? Midge? We called the Midge? <laughs> Midge. <laughs> that, what was hey, all of the How much time did you run around using done. the term Midge? <laughs> Check out this Midge. That's what you'd say? Check out this midge. All of the positive energy that he had just brought up on himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Congratulations, Peter. Congrats, Peter. Dink- Peter. <laughs> Peter Dinklage. 
Uh, who <laughs> is very good Dinklage. in that series? What? No, you didn't say that's his name, <laughs> Peter Dinklage. Name. <laughs> you said Dinklage. <laughs> we called him a Mitch, and we and a Dinklage. His name. And a Dinklage. Oh man. Okay, so Peter Dinklage won for Game of Thrones. He is very good in that. Uh, supporting actress went to Thandie Newton in uh, Westworld. Did you guys see Westworld? No, but uh, oh uh, but I like Thandie as seasons. a name. Two seasons. It's good. Yeah. You know who she is? Um, which one? She's the the black robot who works in the saloon as a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. She's good. Yeah. Uh, outstanding limited series, the Johnny Versace thing. Uh, again, comedy series, this Mrs. Maisel thing. I, again, so I think- the only thing we have on the Versace thing, which keeps winning. Is the the mansion? We right. had our tenth anniversary party there. That's right. So I imagine that the mansion shows up in the show, right? You it has to. None of us have watched this. Wasn't he killed right there? Yeah, right yeah. in the front. Yeah, steps. that's that's got to be the cover well, of the thank show. Thank you, Charles. Yeah. What do you mean the cover? Like when you see it when they announce the it, movie poster. Oh. That's the poster. The that's movie the, poster the for the series on Netflix. Got it. By is the it w- on Netflix? What is it on? Oh, I don't. By the way, when it happens, this is going to be terrible. But when it happens. Yeah, I did a reenactment once with a group of tourists Wait, standing uh, in front of the mansion. Yeah. You like you and the tourists no, all I, participated? I, 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 I can kind of see where he's going with this. Yeah, tourists are walking by, uh-huh. and he, I'm Versace, I'm dead. Like what, something that, like that. that was on, the, the on the stairs of the mansion, yeah. While people, while people were taking pictures. So Were they taking pictures of you yeah. playing Versace? Yeah. I haven't seen it on TMZ, but I'm sure. Did you I'm sure it's did somewhere. you use any sort of prop like ketchup or anything uh, like dying? <laughs> no, no? no. Okay, good. That would have been really bad. Everything else that you've done wasn't terrible. <laughs> We're just lucky there wasn't a midge involved. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so finally, fun. outstanding drama Where series. Was Dicklage? <laughs> right in the Dicklage. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Dicklages. Uh, outstanding drama series went to Game of Thrones. Am I the only one that watches it? I gotta Listen, watch it. It's I've, a I've super heard a lot popular yeah, show. I, I get it. I just I, I, no, no. If you're not into yeah. it, you're not into no. It. I just have. I, just I, it's one of those things where it's like way too far ahead, and yeah. everyone's in it. And I've always had this tendency. Whenever everyone's going to watch a show, I go, "All right, fucking," and I'm not watching it. <laughs> so well, this one is good. Um, all right, so that's that's the end of our Emmy roundup. This was actually a little more thorough than our NHL roundups. Yeah, I mean, there was some, like, uh, ancillary di- things that we could drop yeah. in there, and, and there's always dicklage. Is there anything else in this nominee list that you have seen that you're like, this was good? This is something that I watched and enjoyed? So, for uh, example, Curb Atlanta. enthusiasm, I've always yeah, loved. Exactly. Curb is good. Uh, Atlanta was good. The thing with... Um, I haven't seen it, but I heard it's good. Yeah, Atlanta's good with um, Don Glover. Um, Handmaid's Tale got, uh, got uh, shut out. Yeah, and I was surprised that they didn't win more, especially with like or how any, yeah, yeah, with how like politically charged, even just like in the ten minutes ah, that I watched. Things also Stranger shut things, out. Yeah. Homeland, Ozark again. Anyway, Insecure shut out. Also, I thought Issa Rae might win a thing for that. But I mean, Stranger Things was like a cultural phenomenon. It was yeah, like, yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah. What was, the, what was the girl's thing? name that disappears in the first episode? And like girls were like there were T-shirts. Oh, I don't God, know. What was that? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the the, the thing eats her by the pool or something. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, Stranger Things. Another thing that you should watch. See, that was not, we can recommend Stranger Things here pretty confidently. Stranger Things was good. I can, I can totally recommend that one. That one I watched. Yeah. So, 
another thing that we'll be watching. Another thing that we'll be <laughs> watching segue. for uh, for the remainder of for what is it? How long is the season from November to about July? Yeah. July is probably like the finals would be in July. I believe so. So uh, Dwayne uh, Wade, yeah. Dwayne Wade, in his own Emmy worthy performance, puts out a uh, a video. There's been a trend for a while of uh, athletes announcing in very long drawn out letters. Yeah, I teared up a little. <laughs> Uh, are well. You and Dwayne both. There's been a trend of athletes in these very like long, drawn-out letters, or LeBron James's case, this uh, TV special and the whole yeah, thing. That, that backfires. Yeah, uh, announcing major career decisions. Dwayne Wade put out his own little independent, you know, just me talking to the camera video, which was actually very well produced, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Um, well done. Yeah, in in the sense of like it just being one guy talking to the camera. It was about as good as you could hope for that to be. And he announced that he is coming back for one last season. How about a horn? Right. Where's that at? Where's the horn at? Well, do you want a loud horn or do you want like a... I think it's a... It's a it's Give a us your best sad horn. Jaded Miami Heat fan. That's Jeez. as sad as you can get. So yeah, Dwayne Wade will be coming back for one last season. What do you anticipate about that? this last season? Well, first of all, what, what did you? What were your thoughts when you saw the video? Well, I I thought that uh, they're going to sell a bunch of tickets uh, related to this. I'm not kidding. Like I, I instantly, I think whoever's got season tickets did a little mini backflip there. Like, ooh, sweet. Uh, and whoever hasn't bought them and was on the fence is definitely on it. So, so I think that from a ticket sales standpoint, that little video uh, I thought was great. I don't know what, what that's, you think about that's it. That's one way to do it. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I think back to like Jeter doing his uh, farewell tour. I think this is a good way to announce it. Uh, I think if they start winning games, the impact will be bigger, of course, and I think it will mean a lot more. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully that, that hopefully that's the case. Because if it's just a fell where, fell where, fell wow. farewell tour. Anonymity, what was it? Anonymity? <laughs> what was anonymous, it? That Trump, anonymous. anonymous. <laughs> that Trump couldn't pronounce a farewell tour. Fel- farewell tour. <laughs> Fel- Fel- farewell. Farewell tour. Jerry Falwell tour. Uh, so, what do you think it will look like if you had to if you had to bet on what this season looks like for Dwayne Wade? What does your crystal ball tell you? See him getting not or enough minutes. Games into it. Not enough minutes. Couple of injuries and it being ho hum. Really ho hum? Yeah, I don't think a so. Couple man. nagging injuries. Hopefully, hopefully they win some games and it's not so. So negative as I see it, but I don't as think it's going to be yeah, so exciting. Very negative. I'm not really excited. Oh man! Wow. What about you, Eric? I, I'm actually I'm I'm psyched about it. I want to take my kids to uh, to see a couple of games. Uh, you know, at the end of his career here. I think I think it'll be cool. I think uh, I think that's what a lot of people will do. Yeah. Ki- people who have kids. Uh, you know, my kids are ten and twelve. So they're and one of them loves basketball. So I I think people will look at it that way. I think the the stadium will be packed. As long as he's Most healthy, they're games. selling out. Every, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, I, I think it'll be good. And and he's not gonna he's not gonna be playing more than, you know, eighteen twenty minutes a right. game. So I I don't I don't know I don't think it'll be so I don't think it'll be so ho hum the way you're looking at it. I think okay. he'll he'll survive the season and and give us a nice little pick me up uh, on an otherwise semi crappy season. Right? We didn't get any any you know free big agents, splash free no. agents or anything like that. And and the team is is a young sort of scrappy team it's not it's not really a team that's built to win everything it's a team to hopefully make the playoffs that's kind of what that team is built for at least that's what it looks like as a fan yep so on an otherwise 
I, I look at the season without him as a whole home series. At least this gives me a little bit of a cherry on top that my kids can see. I don't know the the greatest Heat player, uh, you know, franchise long Heat player. Okay. I mean, yeah, LeBron was a sort of rented. It's a rental. Shaquille was you, a rental. Udonis, Alonzo. No, uh, Alonzo no. is great, and Alonzo I think would be like the second best after uh, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, Alonzo Mourning might even be. More of a like for some people, more of a fan favorite. If you grew, yeah, if you if you were watching in the '90s, you might just personally like Morning more, just like Hardaway. Yeah. How about Ronnie Cycli? Well, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, he was almost not even playing basketball. That was just like otherworldly shit. So he was um, actually DJing, and then he you started know? DJing, <laughs> He's which a is DJ awesome. Uh, is he still DJing, seriously. If he is, we should try to get him. He's to DJ no dead the, mouse. Let's get him DJ the Lechong Challenge. I'm DJ Ronnie Cycli. I'm on it. Uh, Consider it done. What would you like to see Dwayne Wade doing with the Heat after he's done playing? If you had to give him a job right now. Selling arepas uh, in front of the AAA <laughs> and salchichas. And salchichas. That's the deal breaker. If you're not selling salchichas, Salchichas and arepas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these sometimes great players don't do so well uh, in these uh, front office jobs. Sometimes they do, right? Like Larry Bird. No, I, I, I don't think he'll be selling out of us. That's, just my, that's my take. I don't know. Front, I don't think office. he will be selling out No, you were, you were saying that usually when they get these front office jobs. Yeah, you know, like, Dan, like for example, here in Miami, Dan Marino, front office job, is like, ah, whatever. You know, it's like these, these guys are not, they're, they're meant to be incredible athletes. <laughs> After that, it's not that great. So, But if there is an athlete that has them. built some kind of cred in terms of recruiting and front office ability, Dwayne Wade is probably up. I have to think that he will probably move on to some studio work as opposed to a front office job. Sure. I think his personality uh, is – I think he can sell that persona at, at that level as opposed to – I think he can sit next to Charles Barkley or something like that as opposed to a front office job. I don't see him in the front office. But he could move back and forth like Steve Kerr did, right? I mean, he's – in terms of his playing ability, Steve Kerr is not quite on Dwayne Wade's nope. level, but did go back and forth between the studio thing and then the front office with the Suns and then coaching. and So I could see something like that, like that kind of a career trajectory, but you'd like to see it. Oh, of course, but I just don't see it. All right. So keep an eye on Dwayne Wade. We'll see what happens with him. We will stay tuned to the Cigar Snob podcast for all of your Dwayne Wade updates. Oh, yeah. Uh, and hopefully now that he's retired, if he sticks around here long he's enough. He's not retired yet, Nick. Or when, when he will be, when he, is, oh. when he is retired, hopefully it's not too long before we can get our, I was going to say get our hands on Dwayne Wade. Uh, <laughs> get your hands yeah. on Dwayne Wade, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I think that was a Freudian slip there from old Nicholas. <laughs> we'll make that the title of the podcast, getting our hands all over Dwayne Wade. Uh, so, in less popular Miami personality news. And go fuck yourself, Miami news. <laughs> Uh, Pardon my friend. Salt Bay, uh, whose name is, uh, what is it, Nusret? Nusret something. His restaurants are also called Nusret. Nusret Jackass. Was, uh, he's caught a lot of flack, especially in Miami, but really all over, because I've been a little surprised at how much non-Miami media has been sharing this and sort of like chastising him. Yep. Uh, he, at his Turkish Nusret location, Served uh, some. Did we say who he like? People understand what we're talking about. Salt Bay. Yeah, Salt Bay. Salt Bay is the uh, the chef who who got popular, went viral with his funky means of sprinkling salt on steaks. Uh, 
before he went viral, he was already a pretty big deal in terms of, like, he had a lot of steakhouses, especially in the Middle East and the Mediterranean. Uh, but that sort of catapulted him to more of a global icon status and now has steakhouses also in Miami and New York City. It wasn't the salt off the elbow that catapulted him? Yeah, that's what he's saying. Yeah, like, he, yeah, was, he, was, right. like he already had three or four restaurants. Right, right. I, I just thought that gimmicky thing that he was doing on social media really propelled him. But no, no, I mean, yeah, they're, like it, they're it great him, restaurants. Yeah, it made yeah, him yeah, famous for sure. with a whole other hemisphere of people. And so, yeah, he was uh, caught a lot of flack because he put on Twitter and Instagram video of himself serving steaks and also cigars and T-shirts to Venezuelan dictator and heir to Chavez's uh, asshole throne, Nicolás Maduro. Uh, so while the people of Venezuela are, uh, basically gauging their economy according to how much weight they have lost over the last several years, Maduro's over there, uh, not only smoking cigars, but eating Salt Bay steaks, um, and Salt Bay is like all about it. So what, what was your initial reaction when you saw this video? Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I was, uh, pretty pissed off. Uh, again, because Venezuelans play a big part of our uh, community down here, and so we're—I think—we're hyper aware of the the situation that they're in as a country. As a matter of fact, we have a we have a freelancer that does work for the magazine who's based in Venezuela, and and it, it's constant when we're working with him. I mean, you can ask Ivan about this. The guy's always, like his power is always going out. He's telling you, and, and you know, it's a it's a he, bad situation. He actually though. asked me for some. I didn't mention this, but he actually asked me for some help this week because he couldn't transfer money to his family member who's in another country. So he was gonna have me transfer the money through like a Western Union just to be able to help him because he couldn't get money to his family. And he couldn't so. get it out because what Venezuela is putting controls on that kind of transfer, or no, or he didn't I mean, have yeah, he just didn't have the access to the transfer mode to get it to them. Right. So. Yeah, so shit is is in in disarray in that country. People are starving, and then this asshole's over there uh, feeding Nicolas Maduro a, a steak and cigars and doing that whole pomp and circumstance that he does with the steak, and it, it just annoyed me, right? Yeah. And uh, and then this is obviously on top of the fact that uh, he posed uh, wearing a uh, a red star, a beret with a red star, and a, and a Che Guevara or Fidel Castro poster behind him. And said something about, you know, they say that you also created a revolution or something like that. And that right. pissed me off, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as a, as a person who was born in Cuba and uh, displaced to a certain extent. Uh, yeah, all that all that stuff bothers me. It, it gets under my skin yeah. every single time. So here's a, a question, just sort of, I don't want to say playing devil's advocate, but what do you think is the appropriate response? And how much of the onus for maybe like correcting it or whatever lies on, on people like the ones in the community here in Miami, right? Because you figure this guy up until very recently had no physical connection to this whole half of the world. Right. And he's coming from a place where the idea that they have of Chavismo, of Castro's Cuba, um, and of really anybody who makes anti-Americanism a cornerstone of their you know, political identity is very, very different. I, I get the sense that, yes, part of it is like as a, an adult human being, if you're going to be chumming it up with people like this, you should know something about them. 
But on the other hand, you know, if if we here in Miami, whether it's Cuba, Cubans or Venezuelans or even Nicaraguans, you know, all these people are are people who have been affected by the Common legacy struggle. of yeah, yeah the, the uh, not only a struggle that's that that has a lot to do, but that has roots in the same basically Soviet mm-hmm. uh, Soviet KGB trained uh, dictatorship. Uh, what is the appropriate response there? Because I, I wonder whether the appropriate response is to just say, "Oh fuck you, I'm not going to eat your steaks. Get out of here." There may be an opportunity here. He obviously doesn't feel strongly enough about Maduro to have left the tweets up. He deleted them. Deleted them, yeah. So there may be an opportunity there to say, look, you clearly had no idea what the hell you were doing. Let's educate you. Yeah, and but that, that, I would have allowed that after the Castro one. But I don't know how much of an effort was really made to say, like, let us talk to you for a second. This was, it was really more just like, we're all super pissed. Take this down. How dare you? I don't know how much of an effort was ever made to say, like, you don't know what you're doing. Let us tell you why this is a problem. Because if he if he had heard that and still felt so strongly, you figure he would have left the tweets up. So I think that it feels like there's some kind of opportunity there to correct that and, and also give him an opportunity. If he's, he's clearly some kind of a narcissist, or at least that's the way he markets himself. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that if that's where you're coming from, you would rather be a hero to your Miami diners than a friend to one dictator who's clearly on his way into like the trash bin of history. You'd rather have Venezuelans lining up around the block to eat steak from the guy who publicly regretted doing this than be able to say, like, oh, yeah, I gave Maduro a steak once and I don't feel bad about it. So I don't know. To me, it's like it it would be nice if people said, like, yeah, we're right now not wanting to eat there, but we also want to give you a chance to explain yourself and expose yourself to some of this information that you may not have. I don't need him to expose himself. I mean, him and Dwayne Wade, and then we can get our hands all over him. (laughs) Uh, anyway, I, I personally would like to see something other than, you know, a Venezuelan version of the Vigilia Mambisa running over Juanes CDs on the street, you know, when Cubans were upset about that concert. I'd like to see something a little bit more of an effort to capitalize on that, because in the long run, I would rather have Salt Bay be a friend of the cause than just one more person that everybody's pissed off at. I, I, I see where you're going, and I think you have a more... Um maybe more activist inclined mind. I, I, uh, I, I'm just one that whenever I see that kind of stuff, I just, I can easily just say, okay, yeah, that's a place that I'm not going to. And that's that. Oh, I won't be going. Yeah. And, and so I don't know that, uh, I need to educate or and I'm talking personally, uh, I don't have a need to educate them or, or tell them about my struggle or whatnot. I, I will just simply not go. And, and if enough people feel the same way, then he may have to shut it down here in Miami. and Or he may say, hey, what went wrong in Miami? And then he'll have to find out and do a little bit of market research and go, well, you know, you really pissed off all those Cubans with that, and then you pissed off those Venezuelans with that. And then that's how I'm hoping that the message gets across. Sure. I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not activist in that way. Uh, I just I'm very easily shut myself off from uh, when someone does that, right? So, like, for example, I was born in Cuba. But I've never been back, even though, you know, I had and I have family there. I haven't gone back to see them. I don't want to give that government one red cent. I never bought Cuban cigars. I don't buy Cuban rum, uh, even though, of course, I would love to. Uh, but I don't do it. And that's just how I operate. You know, I, yeah. so I don't I don't know that I need to teach him any lessons or anything. I think he lost me when um, when he decided not to uh, use any hygiene and just throw his salt on my on my steak. Ooh, I think that, I think that's it. <laughs> uh, 
right before. You don't want all that <laughs> Turkish <laughs> forearms, <laughs> Turkish forearm salt. All over nothing, forearm nothing political. Salt. Yeah. It's all hygiene related with Chuck. Ivan, what's the hygiene politics split on I can, your? I can chalk it up to him being naive to to what's been going on uh, on the other side of the world. It was a tremendous PR snafu by him not understanding that, especially having a restaurant here in a city that's being taken over by Venezuelans who've had to leave by think, force. Yeah, it's a failure of whoever's doing his PR. If, Absolutely. If that, if that much of his business is here, what the fuck right. are you thinking? But he de- does seem a little remorseful. Maybe it was no, a PR. Maybe it was. It. No, right, right. It's, it's not so remorseful. Did... It's just let me delete it just so that these people don't keep staying pissed off at me. Okay, but Ka- Kaepernick's done a couple of those things, and he hasn't, you know, uh, done an about face on any of the stances that he's taken. So I don't know. Maybe I could chalk it up to him just being naive about it, but I still won't go to his restaurants, and I think he's caused his business here, at least locally, a lot of a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah. If he wants to fix that, keep an eye out for Salt Bay, for the hopefully impending Salt Bay apology. A <laughs> uh, little bit of forearm salt mixed with. Salt Bay's apologetic tears. Yes. Uh, before we get into the, uh, let's leave the cigar until uh, we'll, we'll talk about the cigar after talking about our new issue because I I don't know about you guys I'd like to keep getting into it a little bit more the cigar. Okay. Uh, we just we're shipping now or just shipped it yeah it shipped yesterday shipped yesterday a new issue of Cigar Snob Magazine this is our uh, we've dubbed it the Dominican issue. That's right. So. Um, Let's. We talked a bit about the shoot, but now that you know, we have actually produced those pages. Ivan, tell us about about that shoot. What people should expect from it. What that looks like. What they'll what they'll take away. The two shoots. We talked about it before when we actually visited. Uh, what an experience it was being there at uh, Fuentes factories and fields uh, shooting that. But I think everybody's going to be able to get a good good understanding from these pages with these beautiful women standing <laughs> in in these sacred. Uh, halls of the Fuente factory in Santiago and also at the Chateau de la Fuente in uh, Bonao. Bonao yeah. So uh, I think everybody's going to really enjoy this. Yeah, and, and I think one thing we did different here in this issue uh, with the photo shoot, which I think helps a lot, is and that was your idea, Ivan, is to, to give you a little explanation of what it is you're looking at. So yeah, you've got the model, she's smoking an opus, and she's standing in front of, you know, what looks like a barn of some sort. Well, we tell you what it is that she's standing in front of or the location that she's in or or the cigar rolling room or salon that she's standing in. When we take that picture, we kind of give you a little brief explanation. And I think that that's going to be helpful for people. A little, because I still don't think we do it justice. No, because every, no way. Every no way little nook and cranny has so much history and so yeah. much... So much behind it. We just, as, as you said, I think we give them just enough so you get a feel of where we're at, what we're doing, and and how these great cigars get made. But there's really just no other factory, I think, that visually is interesting enough to be to sort of stand up to the the normal production standards of of what Ivan puts together uh, yep. in these shoots that. In other words, if you did this in any other factory, it'd be like, oh, okay, well, you were sort of like changing your standard for how beautiful this thing should be for the sake of adding this sort of educational component. Here, it feels totally seamless. It's, for me, it's one of my favorite shoots uh, because of that, because it's so different and you, and you take away so much more because somebody who's never heard of any of this stuff, it makes it engaging that way. Well, not only that, but there's, there's two things. You could have had a beautiful factory 
but the cigars are whatever. The cigars are meh, or the cigars are crappy, or the cigars are, are not your favorite. Or you could have a cigar that makes excellent cigars that you love, but then it's really ugly. Or maybe not up to the standard like you're saying. Yeah. But in this case, you've got both, right? You've got excellent cigars. You have a factory that makes excellent cigars. If you like strong cigars, you've got the Opus and the Añejo. If you like milder, more uh, creamy cigars, you've got the Don Carlos, right? I mean, they, they've... They've got a, a an amazing portfolio of cigars, and there's all there's there's something there that you love, and then it's beautiful, right? So that combination of those those two things, it's like a perfect storm, right? In that sense, uh, and so we're obviously incredibly fortunate to ha- to have the luxury to shoot there, and and to what you said, the model on the uh, Chateau de la Fuente shoot. She, this is a girl who was, she was in, if you follow her on, on Instagram, it's Megan Samperi. Mm. Uh, she was in Greece last week, just amazing views. And this girl was posting like what an incredible location we were shooting at that day. Yeah. And so that was one of those things where it sort of, you know, it, it hammered it home for me. I was like, yep, yeah, this is definitely the location, right? This is a, so, so I understand why you say it's your favorite shoot. It, it really, the, like I said, the combination of the incredible cigars and then the, the location being just breathtaking, right, and magical. It's such an, a, a badass place. So yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. And again, not, not being able to give enough praise and enough justice to, to what we did. Tell me a little about the cover. How unique of a cover was that? And where, is, where exactly is, is she standing? So that that cover, which uh, I guess you can maybe use that as your shot for this episode. I yeah. Don't know. But um, but the cover, she's standing inside of the Hemingway aging room. Fuente is one of the only factories uh, that we've come across, uh, maybe the only one, that uses different aging rooms for the different blends. Uh, so the aging room is, is tweaked to match the blend of that cigar uh, to optimize uh, the aging process, right? And so that particular aging room is the uh, Hemingway, though. So the Hemingway short stories and the Especiales and, the, and all those uh, blends go into that aging room. And it's a very hard shot, right? Because you've got a couple different tones of light and it, it's kind of dark, right? Cigars typically age in, in sort of a, a dark room. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing cover. She's dressed in green, so... It, it, it immediately, beautiful. yeah. In in addition to the contrast of the shot, right? She's very fair skinned. She's wearing a bright green dress, and then she's surrounded by brown tobacco. So that that whole combination of of colors, and it immediately gives you the symbolism of you know these cigars are made from leaves that were once green, and and so it's like it, the whole thing just works so beautifully. It it is my favorite cover up to now. Yeah. So. Uh, so other stuff that's in the magazine. Uh, we've already talked about the uh, Old Dominion profile, uh, but Old Dominion, country band, one of the, the hotter acts in country music now. Uh, that is pr- the only thing in the issue that's not Dominican. That's the only thing yeah, that's not Dominican, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a profile of them in the issue. There's the travel story, which covers Santiago and Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Tell us about that. Did we talk about this? We've talked about it a little bit, yeah. We talked about our, our Totung uh, yes, yes. Totong wager and the whole thing, um, but and that is detailed in the story. But we also in the story get into uh, you know some of the traffic, um, some of the traffic, <laughs> uh, the the wild driving style of the Dominican Republic. 
uh, as well as um, a lot of dining options. Like I, I think that this more more so than a lot of other ones is is especially you know useful because like with Etelie, also, and a lot of other travel travel stories, stories yeah. right? Because I, I think with Etelie, for example, where we did that's the most similar travel story. Your options are a little limited in Etelie, right? It's 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 great to know where the factories are, but in this case, there are. I mean, there it's two much bigger cities. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and especially if you don't speak the language or if you're not familiar with uh, how things function there. Not familiar with Yelp. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Yelp. Um, but and, and we have a lot of cigar industry people who know the areas very well, uh, offering their recommendations. So if you uh, if you want to do those places like a, uh, a cigar industry veteran, uh, you're going to want to check out this travel story. And then we've got the piece on... Yeah, I was going to ask you, what about the Davidoff? On the Davidoff 50th anniversary. Uh, so, uh, not 50th anniversary of Davidoff, but rather of Davidoff cigars, right. uh, because the, the fam, the Davidoff family had been in cigars or in the cigar business Retail. as tobacconists, yep. right. Uh, from, from a while before. But if you've ever wondered, uh, you know, how Davidoff cigars came to be what they are now, I think this is, uh, this is the piece for you. So we, um, beca because Davidoff is such a, a monster of a, of a company and of a brand, There's so much to say if you start to incorporate things like, uh, you know, all of the marketing and the the, the v tons of brands that come from uh, uh, Edinger Davidoff. Um, but we, st we focused on production and the relationship between uh, Henke Kellner and uh, Eladio Diaz at Tabadón and how they ended up being uh, the cigar makers that really uh, sort of defined or came to define what a, what makes a Davidoff cigar a Davidoff cigar. Um, yeah, Post-Cuban Davidoff cigar. Exactly, yeah. So for those of you who may not be aware, uh, up until the 80s, Davidoff cigars were being made in Cuba at the uh, Laguito factory, which was the, the home factory for... El Laguito. Which was the uh, home factory for Cohiba. So anyway, uh, you know, we won't, we won't spoil that whole thing for you, but... If, uh, you know, especially if, if you're interested in the cigars themselves and, and what makes Davidoff Davidoff, this is the, uh, this is the piece that you're going to want to check out. So you, uh, you can subscribe, obviously, to the magazine at cigarsnobmag.com. Uh, if you subscribe in the next couple of days, we will ship you the current issue. If you wait a little bit, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll bump you over to the next issue. But uh, if you want this one, you'd want to subscribe now. It's only 18 bucks for the year. Uh, you can see it digitally, though. Uh, You can see it digitally on issue.com, I-S-S-U-U.com, and then just search for Cigar Snob, uh, and you can get it there. The new one's already online. And, uh, and if, you have, if you have an old iPhone, because <laughs> Apple doesn't let us update the app, but if you have an old iPhone and you have the old Cigar Snob app, uh, you will get that as well. So, uh, what's, what's the pricing like on issue? $2.99. $2.99 per issue. Yep. Cool. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And uh, before we get into our parting recommendations, a word from our episode sponsor, Villiger Cigars. Villiger Cigars, celebrating 130 years in tobacco, unveils its first ever full-bodied premium handmade cigar in the Villiger La Vencedora. The Villiger La Vencedora is the follow-up cigar to the highly acclaimed Villiger La Flor de Inclán, and Villiger Sandoro Colorado. This Nicaraguan puro, wrapped in a beautiful Nicaraguan Habano puro wrapper, boasts 
a potent full-bodied smoking experience featuring highly seasoned hearty flavors. The Villager La Vencedora, which translates to the victor, emits a billowing aromatic smoke throughout the smoking experience. The Villager La Vencedora, a palate-pleasing, full-bodied, yet elegant cigar that will satisfy the cigar connoisseur as well as the casual smoker. Okay, as we do every episode, we're going to wrap up here with our parting recommendations. This is where we let you know of some of the things that we think you should be watching, reading, doing, smoking, drinking. Ivan, what do you got? So I got a book for this recommendation. The book's name's The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I think it's a New York Times bestseller. Um, how can I describe it? It's uh, it's like it's part spirituality, part meditation. Uh, so a little bit of self help. Uh, so if if you have some problems with anxiety, which I do, and voices in your head when I'm not doing LSD. uh no it helps you it helps you control uh and focus on the present moment and not like start looking into the future or analyzing and replaying stuff that happens in the past and gets you back into the moment i think it's a really good book well yeah it's uh i read i read the power of now i don't know maybe 10 years ago oh cool uh yeah that's that is an excellent book i actually recommended it to my wife I mm. think everyone should recommend it to their wives. I, uh, I every time I read a, uh, a page, I'm thinking I should show this to my wife. Yep, She's yep. got to read this section here. Yeah, I know Eckhart Tolle is uh, is a badass. Uh, that's good stuff. So I'm glad you're reading that. That's yeah, a, that's a very yeah, good yeah, book. it's good. Very what about cool. you, Nikki? So uh, I've got I have one in the show notes, but I'll make two recommendations as as is my customary move. So one thing you should read shorter than the power of now is a New Yorker article. I don't know whether you ever read it, uh, Eric. I, I, no, I, I, I started reading it, but I didn't finish it. So uh, the title of this New Yorker piece, in case you want to Google it, is How Fortnite Captured Teens' Hearts and Minds. So Fortnite, for those of you who are not aware, is uh, the most popular... For you who don't have 12-year-old kids. Yeah, well, uh, so it is the most popular of uh, the video game genre uh, that has come to be known as Battle Royale. So Cliff's Notes... The idea is that in this game, you're dropped into uh, uh, an area. Everybody's got to kill each other off, and the area gets smaller and smaller and smaller so that you're sort of forced to, you know, to confront each other. Think like a video game version of Hunger Games. Um, So it's become this incredible phenomenon with, like, people becoming... uh, There was already such a thing as a pro gamer, but this has, like, sort of catapulted... uh, the video game streaming and professional video game playing and all that uh, to new heights. And this New Yorker piece, I think, does a pretty good job of... uh, Oh, yeah, sorry, we didn't get into this. We'll get into the cigar right after these recommendations. Uh, This New Yorker piece does a good job of uh, of explaining how that whole phenomenon sort of came to be. Uh, Second recommendation that I'll make that just occurred to me when we were getting into this, uh, Jordan Peterson, who is a, a controversial character, is doing a speaking tour. I uh, I made a last-minute call to go and see him speak in Miami Beach. Honestly, um, I I didn't come away from it thinking like, oh, you know, seeing him speak in person changed my life or anything. But what was most interesting to me was sort of observing the crowd at this thing. So Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist who became famous when well, he... Uh, uh, so, so yeah, that was his, his the best-selling book that he's on tour promoting now. But he became famous when he refused uh, to comply 
or was protesting some uh, proposed Canadian legislation forcing people to use people's preferred pronouns. So treating it as, I guess, like hate speech or some kind of hostile, punishable thing. If, you know, somebody tells you that they're a she and you prefer to call them a he. So anyways, he was sort of Midge. protesting. Yeah, right. I, I assume Midge is already criminal in Canada. Um, so anyway, this makes him super famous. And and what I thought was impressive was, you know, you go there and it's all ages of people, like a super eclectic racial and ethnic uh, and, and age mix uh, who are paying 50, 60, if you're close enough to the stage, upwards of $100 a head to see a clinical psychologist speak for two hours. Super weird. Like I had never seen anything like this in terms of the crowd that was there for that. Now, what triggered you to want to go? So I'm... I wouldn't call myself, like, I follow him, uh, and I've seen a lot of interviews with him, but I, I was sort of familiar with this Jordan Peterson phenomenon, and you see so much press about him that sort of attempts to characterize what he's doing and who his followers are, and so I kind of wanted to go and see for myself what that looks like, at least in Miami, right? For all I know, there's something about Miami that makes it different from other places. Uh, Usually there is. Yeah, usually there is. Uh, but, but you hear uh, him and his crowds characterized as everything from misogynist to racist to uh, all kinds of, of stuff. And really, like, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't get any of that from being there and seeing the crowd there. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think um, so either. But, but uh, whether you like him or don't know anything about him or hate him, uh, I think it's worth going to one of these things uh, and just sort of observing it for yourself. Because I, th I think that it, it is sort of symptomatic of a lot of broader things. Like, I, I think it says something that that many people of that many different ages and political persuasions want, like, they're hungry enough for that kind of information to go. And at night in Miami Beach, what they're choosing to do is spend two hours in a theater that normally has, like, major bands watching a clinical psychologist talk by himself on stage. Super weird, but... Did you come worth, away with anything? Not really, but right. maybe you, because I was already familiar two, with him. Have you read Twelve Rules for Life? I haven't. I haven't read it. I've, okay. I've heard him speak about it a lot. For but, uh, did did uh, did watching the show make you want to read it? No. No. Okay. No. Interesting. Because I've read it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's very good. I'm sure it's good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I'm like the target audience, um, but uh, and I don't know that you necessarily are either. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know that I am either. But yeah. uh, but I thought it was uh, his his. Uh, he kind of gives you an intersection of like science and religion right. uh, and culture in into one message, which I, I think is very interesting. So yeah. I, I, I dig it. I, I thought that uh, some of the stuff in the book was incredibly useful. Uh, I, I, I've even recommended uh, a chapter of it uh, to my brother because I, I think some of it is, is, like I said, incredibly useful. So Which chapter? Uh, the one about the kids. The one about... Uh, the one about how you should treat your kids. I thought that was that was awesome. So anyway, my recommendation is not as heady as uh, both of you guys uh, on this one. So so we, for those of you who aren't aware, we do publish Cigar Snob Magazine, and there are ratings, uh, cigar ratings in every one of those issues. And when we rate cigars, we rate them blind, which means that we have to take the labels off before giving them to the panelist. Well, in the process of taking out the label, we invariably tear some of the wrapper on the tobacco sometimes. Uh, and so we have, a, we have a tool that we use to repair it. 
It's not. It's not a tool. It's, it's called the tongue. It's no, called the tongue. no, you can't. You can't use. You can't use the tongue on it. I'm not. It. Well, we could, but then you'd be uh, smoking a cigar with my saliva on it. So we use. We use. Uh, it's called Perfect Repair, and I, I didn't. I, I on purpose <laughs> skipped the T. It's Perfect Repair. The perfect. The, the perfect, perfect repair. repair. Yeah, that's sorry. That's an inside joke. But uh, Perfect. Uh, it's Perfect Draw is the website. So P E R F E C D R A W. Because Perfect Draw is a tool that they have. But forget about the tool for now. What I'm interested in, in recommending is the Perfect Repair, which is cigar glue. And it's a sugar-based glue. And, man, you know, I, I know everyone has at home in their humidors uh, cigars that have – maybe you dropped it when you uh, took the, the, uh, the bag out of uh, – you know, you were going to move the cigars from the – Ziploc to the humidor or whatever you you know you've invariably got some cigars that are crackers. Sometimes, when you cut them, uh, if you're a novice, you may cut too much and unravel the cigar. So anyway, this glue is a uh, is a lifesaver or a cigar saver when uh, when you've damaged the cigar. So anyway, perfect repair. I recommend it. We use it all the time here in house. Uh, we didn't know about it, and they sent it to us without. We didn't even know, uh, and this was I don't know, a year ago. Uh, and we've been using it ever since. So instead of uh, instead of having to give the panelists a cigar with uh, with a wrapper that's falling apart, we can now fix it and give it to you, to the wrapper and uh, sorry to the panelist. And you can't tell that anything went wrong with the cigar, and it doesn't affect the taste. And and this is basically the same glue that most rollers have. Yep, uh, at, their, know, at their at their station. Wow, exactly. So you would have thought that they would have come up with this by now, but yeah, well, this no, is a great there, idea. There is. These, are, these aren't the only guys that do it, but this is the one that we use, sure. and we find it to be incredibly useful. So. Anyway, I wanted to give a shout out to those guys because I think uh, I think that the product that they put out is pretty good. So Ooh. perfect repair. So before we wrap up, a little unorth- <clears throat> unorthodox. Ooh. Yep. Uh, we forgot to, or I forgot to bring us back to the cigar. So before we wrap up, let's come back to the cigar. How's it treating you? So the strength, uh, as as is expected, uh, halfway through this cigar, the strength uh, kicks up quite a bit. So I love it. I, I like the the changes in a cigar like this, right? The transition to it's super sweet and easy going in the beginning, and then just continues to ramp up and ramp up, and it gets very powerful towards the end. So uh, that's where I'm at, at at this point of the cigar. I've got about a quarter left, and it's it's pretty potent right now. Yeah, I was more gun shy about it than what I yeah, because then got. it lures you in. Yeah, so no, the the cigar treated me very good. It's uh, strength wise, I would say medium plus. Not not. You still got. You're about halfway. It it, it picks up. <laughs> to get to the go point? Yeah. All right. But yeah, I enjoy a la Casa Fernandez cigars. This is no exception. This is great. Yep. How about you, Nick? Yeah, for me, it uh, the, the strength picked up, but it didn't necessarily get harsher or spicier. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, if, yeah. if anything, some of the sweetness subsided. I'm getting more wood and leather. Yeah, maybe it. a touch of earth. Uh, yeah. So, but I'm I'm a fan, man. I've I, I could smoke... Maybe not more than two. It is. It, I think by the third one, I'd be on my ass. Uh, but um, but yeah, definitely something to to recommend. And as we've done in the past, right? I encourage people just to, you know, uh, especially now while Arsenio is is top of mind, go and smoke this or any of the other things that he had a hand in. Yeah, there's know. also the Arsenio Oro, right? Which also has his name on it. Uh, in terms of his fingerprints, everything that Casa Fernandez right. has made uh, has his fingerprints on it. So. Yeah, if you can't find any of these Arsenio-specific products, any Casa Fernandez, uh, again, is a good way to uh, pay tribute to this 
this great tobacco man. So awesome. let's go out and do that. All right. With that, we're going to cut out. That's it? We're done? Yeah, we're done. We're good. Done. All right. Don't be a dicklage. Don't be a dicklage. <laughs> thank you for... Thank all of you One dicklages for listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. You can find episodes of the podcast at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And make sure that you share this and other episodes with uh, fellow smokers who you think might be interested. Our last episode was an interview with Carl the Mailman Malone about his brand, Barrel Aged by Carl Malone, and uh, uh, which uh, if you uh, and if you subscribe, we have coming down the pike uh, interviews with Abraham Mashi, who uh, is a journalist who has written a couple of things about uh, bullfighting for us. There was an interview with a bullfighter and also a story about bullfighting uh, or about bull meat from these bullfights. Um, it's also uh, an avid cigar smoker. And who is also a cigar smoker. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. All right. Thanks. Later. Yeah. Villiger Cigars, celebrating 130 years in tobacco, unveils its first ever full-bodied premium handmade cigar in the Villiger La Vencedora. The Villiger La Vencedora is the follow-up cigar to the highly acclaimed Villiger La Flor de Inclán and Villiger Sandoro Colorado. This Nicaraguan puro, wrapped in a beautiful Nicaraguan Habano puro wrapper, boasts a potent full-bodied smoking experience featuring highly seasoned, hearty flavors. The Villager La Vencedora, which translates to the victor, emits a billowing aromatic smoke throughout the smoky experience. The Villager La Vencedora, a palate-pleasing, full-bodied, yet elegant cigar that will satisfy the cigar connoisseur as well as the casual smoker.